This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Gangbusters was an American dramatic radio program heralded as the only national program that brings you authentic police case histories. So-called true crime magazines were highly popular in the 30s, and the movie G-Men, starring James Cagney, released in the spring of 35, had proven to be a big hit. Producer-director Phillips H. Lord thought there was a place on radio for a show of the same type. To emphasize the authenticity of his dramatizations, Lord produced the initial radio show G-Men in association with FBI director J. Edgar Hoover. But Hoover was really difficult to work with. He insisted that only closed cases would be used. Also demanded that he or a top-level aide review and approve every script. Hoover preferred the scripts downplay gunfights and car chases. Those restrictions hampered Lord, who saw his creation as a public service, but one that had to entertain as well as to inform. So, here's a story that was first broadcast in 1953, entitled Jewel Robbery. And now, in cooperation with police and federal law enforcement departments throughout the United States, CBS Radio presents Gangbusters! <laughs> Gangbusters, the only national program that brings you authentic police case histories, has asked the Honorable Edward L. Dowd, First Assistant Circuit Attorney of St. Louis, Missouri, to narrate by proxy tonight's case. Circuit Attorney Dowd. Thank you, and good evening, Gangbusters listeners. Let's begin tonight's case on a cold winter morning a year or so ago in the city of St. Louis, Missouri. The proprietress of a small, unkempt confectionery store on South Broadway had just opened the place for the day's business and was tidying up the tiny soda fountain. Morning, Annabelle. Told you no last night, Wally. The answer's still no. Crying out loud. You think it was a fortune? You could stake a guy to a couple of hundred... Why? Now, Annabelle, be reasonable. I'm good for it. You know I'm good for it. Why does a guy in your position need to come looking for handouts? You know where to get it. Why don't you go out and make it? The heat's on, Annabelle. The town is hotter than a two-dollar pistol shooting blanks. Don't blame me. I didn't make the heat. These guys have really been burning up the town. Remember that clothing store man? Yeah. Them. That was them. Of course, I'm not saying it was their fault the guy got shot. Somebody comes in to ice the place. A reasonable thing to do is give him the money. He fought them, so what does he get? A nice funeral. And a hotel clerk. I hear that was them, too. So you can see why all the heat is on, Annabelle. So I, I figure to get out for a while. I'll take a ride to Casey and take things easy for a couple of weeks. I should give you the 200 have to come looking for you in Kansas City. You won't have to come looking for me, Annabelle. I'm good for it. You know I'm good for it. Then go borrow from a bank. Listen to me, Annabelle, heart to heart. A guy with a little heat on him can't even walk in the streets in comfort anymore. The first thing he knows, he's downtown with the law nagging the life out of him. You can't work under these conditions. My heart is bleeding for you. This mob has been burning up the town with one blast after another, and the pressure is coming down on the cops from all over. It's a risk to stick your head on the street while this mob is still operating. What mob? Who are they? How should I know who are they? I thought you knew everything, Wally. I never heard of them. What do you say, Annabelle? No is no. Worms a redhead, the papers say. You know of any redheaded heavy men around town? No. 
Annabelle. I got an idea, Wally. Have a chocolate malted on the house. No, no, thanks. Much obliged. My chocolate malteds aren't good enough for you, but you'll take my 200. I ain't even had breakfast yet. What's wrong with the chocolate malted for breakfast? Annabelle, please. No. We've been friends for years. I know I want to keep it that way. If I give you the 200, that's the end of our friendship. Come in, come in. Yeah, I'm in already. Hello, B, mister. Cup of coffee. Hello, Wally. Brad, how are you? We don't have coffee. How about a nice cherry phosphate? Nah, never mind. A malted? No, skip it. What are you doing around here, Red? Huh? Seeing the sights. Yeah? How about a hot chocolate? That I can make you. Nah, forget it. How you been, Wally? Busy? No, not too. Uh-huh. I was uh, told I could find you around here, Wally. He's around here too much. Got to do something with my time. Are you uh, looking to make a connection? That depends. You like milk? I give you plain milk. I want coffee. You want coffee? You have to go elsewhere. Red. It's a good deal. Yeah, it's been good so far. Come on, let's go get that coffee someplace. We talk about it, huh? It's in a restaurant I'm running. I carried what everybody asked for. it. have a million dollars worth of stock. It's all right. I'm not to put out none. Well, go if you're going. Got plenty to clean up around. Come on, Wally. Uh, I'll see you, Annabelle. Yeah, don't do me any favors. No, no. Sergeant Rickard, robbery squad. Now, hold on, please. I'll connect you. Robbery squad, Sergeant Rickard. Miss Annabelle. Yes, Annabelle. You were looking to get a line on a redhead? Yeah, so? Maybe I just saw the one. What's his name? Red. His name is Red. Uh, that's not much help. This friend of mine was in the store crying about the heat around town because of all these heistings. Then this Red walks in. Wally are sidekicks from way back, I think. He wants to know if Wally would like to make a connection. Well, what did Wally say? He didn't say. They left together to talk it over. For where? How should I know for where? Did I follow him? Okay, Annabelle, thanks. Keep your ears open now. In the meanwhile, we do some checking around. <laughs> What's the deal? Wait a minute. Take it easy, I'll tell you. First, I want to know, is there any heat on you? Heat on me? Yeah. You guys got all the heat in this town. You're running wild and the lid is on everybody. Are you still a good man at the wheel you used to be, Wally? Yeah, I'm all right. Downtown, for instance. Can you wheel a car in there and get it out? Yeah. What's the touch? Jewelry house. Just jewelry? There'll be some cash involved, enough. But plenty of ice. I don't like a jewelry deal. You break your back to get the scum and you can't turn it over for 20 cents on a dollar. Well, it shouldn't make any difference if there's enough of it. No, I guess it shouldn't. And it's only a three-handed job. Oh? Yeah, that's all. A fair-sized score split up only three ways wouldn't be bad, huh? What happened to the other two in the mob? What other two? Papers have been saying you were four-handed altogether. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, Wally, we were four-handed, but uh, two of the boys pulled out. Yeah? Why? They thought there was too much heat for the fireworks. They started to cry, so uh, Mac gave them the kiss-off. Who's Mac? You wouldn't know him. They've been his jobs. What kind of guy is he? After this one, I'll have had enough myself. Cowboy? No, not exactly. He ain't wild. He's got a head on his shoulders. Maybe that's his trouble, too much head. He thinks he's a mastermind. I don't like that kind of deal. Every hand should have a say-so. Not with Mac, they don't. Who does this guy think he is? I don't know him. I don't know what he can do. Don't get so independent. You told me you were behind the six. You can't get dough by being independent. All right. I'll talk to him anyway. I'm talking to you for him. Are you in, aren't you? Okay, Red, I'm in. Good. Come on, let's go see this car. Take it easy, will you? Give me a chance to drink my coffee. 
Besides, we can't meet him till tonight. What's the matter? You have to make an appointment? He's a late sleeper. All right. Go ahead, drink your coffee. Wait out here, Johnny. Yeah, sure, Rick. I won't be but a few minutes. I'll see you. Sergeant. Now, what'll it be? Oh, uh, small lemon lime. Small lemon lime to a sergeant. Where does this Wally live, Benabelle? I don't know. He never said. Well, we've been checking around. We've got no address for him in the cards. Don't cry to me, Sergeant. That's your job to keep track of these heats, not mine. You got no idea at all? No, no idea at all. And when you see him again, try to fish it out of him, huh? Fish it out of him yourself. Here he comes. Hi there, Annabelle. The answer's still no, Wally. Forget I even mentioned it, Annabelle. Hi there. How are you? What'd you do? Get it from that red-headed friend of yours? Head away, yeah. Got some telephone change, Annabelle? Yep, sure. He looked familiar, that redhead. I think maybe I know him from someplace. There you are. Maybe you do. He's been around. Excuse me, I gotta make a call. Who's stopping you? See what I mean about the redhead? Yeah, I see. You gonna pick Wally up? A few days in jail might do him some good. Maybe it'd help his color. Maybe it would. How much for the lemon lime, Annabelle? Still a nickel. No inflation around here. There you are. Thank you. Call again. Let me know what you hear, Annabelle. I'm all ears. Okay, I'll see you now. Hurry back, mister. Johnny? Hey, Rick. Wasn't that Wally that went in the store? Yeah. Did he make you? No, I don't think so. He remembers me from someplace. Probably thinks I'm a steady hanger around Annabelle's. He went to use the phone. What are we going to do when he comes out? Collar him? No, there's nothing we could hold him on yet. We don't even know if this redhead is one of the outfit. I wouldn't make any bets he wasn't. I want to see that redhead before we make a move. If he's right, I want to grab him good. What hey, Rick, we do it. He's coming out. Okay. Here he comes, this way. Let him pass. Okay, Johnny, stay with him. Right. If he makes a meet with a redhead or if you find out where Wally lives, check with me. Okay. All right, on your horse. So long. Back to Gangbusters in a moment. The Sunday daytime listening is truly outstanding at the star's address. Tomorrow, don't miss World Music Festivals, visiting the Edinburgh Festival, where Bruno Walter conducts the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra. And remember, too, that Sunday daytime on most of these same CBS radio stations, Leopold Stokowski conducts in the 20th Century Concert Hall, and Michel Piastro directs the Symphonette, all on CBS Radio. And now back to Gangbusters and Circuit Attorney Dowd. Well, while St. Louis detectives were beginning to make headway in their investigation... The holdup mob had recruited another member. And late that night in another part of the city, Wally was being escorted up the stairs of an apartment house by his connection, Red. Like I said, Wally, you might not like the guy, but you got to grant him a brain. I just don't want anybody telling me my business, that's all. I don't go for that kind of garbage. Okay, don't get excited. You haven't even met him yet. That way. Just don't want him telling me how to do my job. Take it easy, will you? Okay, right here. Should I push the bell? Nah, never mind. I got the keys. Mac! Come on in, Wally. Yeah. Hey, Mac! In here, Red. He's in there, Wally. Say, uh, how you like the setup here, Wally, huh? That'll do. Yeah. Mac, meet Wally. How are you? Hi. Uh, just a second. He's nuts about solitaire. So I see. I tried a lot of things. I can't find a better way to pass the time. Have you tried knitting? Wally. Yeah, I tried knitting. Nothing there. Well, you want to let this go for a while, huh? That's nice of you. It don't look like I could win it anyway. Not with that deal. Sit down, Wally. Yeah. Thanks. 
All right here. Yeah. Fred says you're okay, Wally. Says you're a good wheel man. The best, Mac. Okay. Now, this is going to be a nice little score. Not the biggest in the world, but uh, tidy. That's the way I like them, tidy. When? Maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. Depends on the weather. What's the weather got to do with it? This is a congested district. If it's raining or snowing, traffic will be heavy and slow. Plus, there'll be a lot of extra taxi cabs in the area. It's a good angle. The gate will be rough enough without any handicaps, so uh, let's wait for good weather. It's okay with me. See, Wally, all the angles. Now, uh, the mark is the Four Brothers Jewelry Company. That's uh, on the third floor of the tower building. It's a rough deal getting out of that neighborhood. Can you do it? I can do it. It's my idea we should have a small, fast car. A big one might be a little trouble to handle in traffic. But uh, I'll leave it to you. Yeah, you leave it to me. Hey, uh, a small car would be better, don't you think, Wally? Small car it'll be. Now, uh, here's the layout. Forget about the elevator. We'll go up the stairs. The office is um, around here in back like this. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there's this entrance here. The door's made of glass, so we gotta work fast. We gotta get in, get it, and get out. We got no time to play. Who wants to play? There's a counter uh, here, which uh, stretches from one side practically to the other. It's a display case. None of the good stuff is in there. In back of the counter is a vault. That's what we want to get in. How much do you figure? Maybe five, six thousand in cash, maybe fifty thousand in ice. It's not bad. It's all right for me. Off to the side here, uh, there's a little office. Uh, now, that's where the owner has his desk. And besides the owner, we'll find another guy there, a salesman. Mm. Neither one of them look like the hero type. We won't have any trouble. You've got this mark pretty well cased. I should have. I've been there twice. I've been trying to make up my mind whether to buy a watch they got. It's a great setup, Wally. Huh? They'll recognize me when I come in. I'll tell them I want the watch. They're relaxed. We go to work. How about the bug? All those jewelry houses got alarms. That won't be no problem. The only one I could spot was in the boss's little office. Now, he'll be in front writing up the sale on the watch. And if there are any more, we'll just have to be quick enough to keep them away from them. I'm for being quick. Back to gangbusters in a moment. Now, uh, Red. Yeah. You're going to take the boss. Uh -huh. Your job is to watch him, keep him quiet, keep him away from the bugs. Okay. Now, Wally, you do the same thing with a salesman, and I'll clean the boss. Wait a minute. What's the matter? You're going a little fast for me. You said I was to handle a salesman. That's right. I was under the impression I was a wheelman in this deal. That's a big enough job. I don't belong on the inside at all. It's not necessary to stay with the car. It can sit. Yeah. Well, it can sit without me. I don't do two men's work. Wally. Not without two men's cuts. I don't do two men's work without two men's cuts. Will you listen to me? I knew there was something screwy about this deal. No wonder your other two left you like that. Wally, you got to grant me it takes three on the inside. Okay, I'll grant you, but I'm a wheel man. You've done inside work? Sure, I've done inside work, but not while I was the wheel man. I won't have any part of it. Now, listen to me, will you? You came in, and you're in. Yeah. We'll see if I'm in. Now, Wally, be reasonable. Who's being unreasonable? Now, look. I don't get tough often, but I'm going to get tough now. You're in, Wally. You made a deal and you're in. Well, you're not going to be feeling so good. Wally, cooperate. Huh? It ain't going to be so tough. Wasn't on such a spot for Doyle. Tell you all what to do. Good, Wally. I knew you'd come through first. You see, Mac? Is that all? Yeah, that's all. This is going to be tomorrow. I better start scouting around for a car for the get. Yeah, a small car, Wally. A small car. Red will get in touch with you. He'll let you know whether it's tomorrow and what time. Yeah, you'll be at Annabelle's at 11. I'll phone there. Okay, Annabelle's at 11. I'll be there. Now, we got a good deal, boys. An awful good deal. Now, let's see if I can win one of these games for myself. Robbery squad, Sergeant Rickard. Hello, Rick. Johnny. Yeah, Johnny. Wally must have lifted himself a Chevy coach. I saw him on the corner of Grand and Locust. Oh, is that so? Yeah. Looks for sure like he's in a deal now. Yeah? Where'd he park this car? In a public garage on Market Street. On Market Street near the civil courts. Okay, Johnny, stick around there. I'll be right out. You think I ought to have one of the boys stay behind, Wally? No, that won't be necessary. He's going to use that car if they pull anything. That's all we have to watch, the car. I'll be right there. Um... 
Just a ticket. I got a park in the garage on Market Street. I can pick you two up about 2.30. Now, Max says no. Max says for you to drive downtown yourself, park the car in Del Mar near the building. We'll see you there. Okay. It will take care of the hardware. Just bring the car and yourself. I got you. So long. Much obliged, Annabelle. Mm, much obliged for what? For you, sir. The facilities. Anytime. Ask me for anything except money. One chocolate malted with vanilla. Happy days, Annabelle. Happy days yourself. Got over to Washington, Rick. Maybe we can pick him up there. Well, I'm afraid it's no use, Johnny. We lost him. Lousy traffic. Same thing last night. So since Red took him to meet the mob, we got fouled up in traffic. That's okay. We know where to put our hands on them now. Wally, at least. He can lead us to the others. they liable to start shooting again. That's what I'm worried about. Well, from the way he was headed, I guess the job is someplace downtown. Maybe he was just headed to pick up the others. Maybe, but these guys are pretty slick, Johnny. I don't think they'd all ride together in a hot car. I think the rest will meet him. I'll pull in the phone. We'll get a few more squads on the job and cruise around downtown. Maybe we can spot that Chevy. Step lively, boys. We go in, we get in, we get out. Waste no time. You said Red? I'm set. Wally? I'm set. Okay, each of you handle your man. I'll clean the ball. Keep your eyes open. This is the place, boys. Looks nice. Yeah. Hello there. Well, how are you today? Hmm? Fine. I uh, think I'll take that watch I was looking at. Oh, yes, sir. That's a fine watch. I brought my friends over to see it. All right. Here we are. Solid gold case, 21 jewel Swiss movement, a beauty and a bargain. How do you like it? Yeah, it's well. I kind of like one myself. I can show you something similar? Uh, some other time. i tell you what I'd like to do. I'd like to put a deposit on it and pick it up next Monday. I'm uh, kind of short. Uh, how much of a deposit did you have in mind? Oh, say, $25? Well, I uh, think that'd be all right. Let me check with the boss. Uh, Mr. Burgess, uh... Some watch, all right. Yes? Uh, front, please, Mr. Burgess. All right. Watch is guaranteed, isn't it? Absolutely guaranteed. If anything goes wrong with it, just bring it in. But you must remember, a fine watch is a delicate piece of machinery. Yeah, I know. Yes. May I help you? Uh, Mr. Burgess, this gentleman would like to leave a $25 deposit on the watch and pick it up on Monday. How do you do? Hello. Hi, nice place you got here. Thanks. Well, I think that'll be perfectly all right. All we have to okay. do is... Okay. Do as you're told and you won't get hurt. Well, please, what's that? Quiet, still. All right. Lock the door. Yeah, I got you. Go on around, boys. Keep them covered. Yeah, now. come on. Now, just don't try to be heroes and you won't get hurt. All we want... Hey, you. Me? You, move away from there. Yes, all right. Hey, boss. Come here and have a look. What's the trouble? We gotta move. There's a bug right under the counter. This guy was standing not six inches from it. You? Oh, no. Not me. Go on, you. Move over there. All right. All right. I'm moving. You. Did you hit the alarm button? Oh, I know. I didn't touch it. You sure? I'm positive. Sure had his chance. Now, tell me the truth. If any cops come storming in here, I'm gonna kill you, I swear. Did you hit that bug? No, I didn't. Okay, you're smart. All right, boys. Get them tied up. By the time you finish, I'll have the vault clean. Covered a lot of blocks, Rick. Don't look good to me. Well, we take one more turn around it. Wait a minute. What? There's a Chevy parked up there. Where? Next to the alley. That's the baby. 
Nobody with us, huh? They must be inside someplace. Hold it, Joe. Hold it. Central District, cars four, five, and six. In the jewelry office, third floor, tower building. The old alarm is ringing. That's it. Let's go. At the jewelry office, third floor, tower building. That's in the middle of the block. Let's get them. How you doing, boys? They'll be tied in a minute. I don't know what you fellas expect to get. Shut up. Make it good and tight. Yeah. Hey, look, there's cops coming in the hall. Why, you, you hit that bug, didn't you? Please, get up. Here they come. Get up. Go on, get up. All right. Open up there. Yell to him. You hit the alarm by mistake. We're police officers, open up. Tell them we're customers. Tell them it was a mistake. Check it in. Hey, they're breaking in. Watch it. The lock. Get the lock, Sergeant. Get your hands up, coppers, or I'll kill this guy. No, don't. Those guns, police officers. Get him, Sergeant. Let go of me. Give me that gun. Let me go. Oh, Get your hands up. Okay, don't shoot. Get those hands up. All right, don't shoot. Get him up. You turn that man loose. I'll kill him. No. Let him go. All right, take it easy. You all right, mister? Yes. Yes, I think so. Jack is tied up over there. Go look after him. Yes, I'd better. It's all right, Jack. It's all right. Are your bums hurt? They all look okay to me, Rick. Now sit down there, all of you. Listen. He said sit down. What a mess. I don't cry. It won't do you any good, Wally. Sure, plenty of truth in that. And now we're going to take a little inventory. Let's see what we got here. They're not such a tough-looking bunch, are they, Rick? No, not now they're not. Take their guns away and they're just a bunch of crumbs. Just plain crumbs. Well, that, gangbusters listeners, was how this gang of hold-up artists and killers was captured in the act of committing a robbery after a terrific struggle and gun battle. All were tried in the circuit court at St. Louis, Missouri, and convicted. They are now in the Missouri State Penitentiary at Jefferson City in execution of their sentences. Thank you, Circuit Attorney Edward L. Dowd of St. Louis, Missouri. Now, Gangbusters Nationwide Clues broadcast every week as a public service to assist American police in their war against the underworld. Attention all citizens. Be on the lookout for Clarence Dye, wanted by the FBI for unlawful flight to avoid prosecution for armed robbery. Listen carefully to his official description. Clarence Dye, alias Chuck, age 43, 5 feet 10 inches, 140 pounds, medium build, brown hair, blue eyes, fair complexion, may seek work as a welder or cook. This man has scars over his left eyebrow, a blue scar over his right eyebrow, and a tattoo of initials C.D. on his right forearm. Caution, Dye is probably armed and should be considered extremely dangerous. He reportedly has stated that he will not be taken into custody alive and will attempt to kill any officer arresting him. Attention all citizens, maintain vigilance for Edwin Sanford Garrison. Wanted by the FBI for unlawful flight to avoid confinement for the crimes of burglary and robbery. If you have any information concerning these fugitives, notify your local police, the nearest office of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, or gangbusters at once. Tonight's gangbusters case was dramatized by Stanley Niss and directed by Leonard L. Bass, with Mason Adams, Amzie Strickland, and Eric Dressler in leading roles. The entire production was supervised for CBS Radio by John Ives, Gaylord Avery speaking. Tomorrow night, Eve Arden raps for attention and the merriment's on again at dear old Madison High. Yes, she's back. Eve Arden as our Miss Brooks. Funnier than ever before, with the help of Bashful Boynton, her biology-teaching heartthrob, Mrs. Davis, Eve's pixelated landlady, Osgood Conklin, the terrible-tempered principal, and the rest of the riotous gang. Remember, class convenes with our Miss Brooks tomorrow night on most of these same CBS radio stations. Be sure to beat the school bell to your seats. You hear America's favorite shows on the CBS Radio Network. Stay tuned for the Screen Guild Theater and the story of Miss Brown.
Time now for another presentation for the Screen Guild Theater, and tonight's show is entitled Miss Brown. Welcome, everybody. Tonight, your neighborhood good golf dealer joins the golf companies in presenting the second of the motion picture star's own program, The Golf Screen Guild Show. With Loretta Young, Fred Astaire, Herbert Marshall, Franklin Pangborn, Gino Corrado, Oscar Bradley, and Hollywood's favorite master of ceremonies, George Murphy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the second Screen Guild show. Hollywood's own program, written, directed, and acted by the greatest names in the motion picture industry for the benefit of the Motion Picture Relief Fund. Last week, it was a review. Next week, it's a dramatic show starring Betty Davis, Robert Montgomery, Basil Rathbun, supported by Louise Beavers. Each week, we bring you a different type show with a different cast of stars. Tonight, it's a musical comedy, Miss Brown of Worcester, directed by Ernst Lubitsch, and written by Dwight Taylor and Arthur Sheikman. Under the musical direction of Oscar Bradley. Ready, Oscar? Lights. Music. Curtain. It's four in the morning at the English Manor House of Richard Devon, played by Herbert Marshall. The radio in the darkened drawing room is turned on. In front of it, we find Alice Brown, his fiance, played by Loretta Young. The program she is listening to is a transatlantic broadcast in the famous sky room of New York's Hotel Astoria. Jerry Gale, known as the Rhythm Romeo and acted by Fred Astaire, is just beginning his midnight broadcast. Miss Wiley. Oh, Miss Wiley. Jerry. Alice. Alice. Is that you down there? Yes. Yes, Dick. Well, what on earth? Well, do you know what time? Oh, Donnie, are you ill? No. No, I'm all right. I woke up and heard the radio playing. Oh. You're sure you're all right, Alice? Quite sure. I I just couldn't sleep, huh. that's all. I don't wonder. Poor girl. That dinner last evening to meet my family must have been a frightful ordeal. No, it wasn't. But they approve of you, Donnie. Dick. Dick, I want to ask you something. Yeah? Here, let me put this shawl around you. This place is a refrigerator. You have a red nose for our engagement party. <laughs> Dick. Dick, would you say a girl was, well, immoral to be in love with two men? Oh, it depends on the girl. Who is this unfortunate female? It's I. Oh, well, in that case... Huh? What did you say? I said I'm the girl, Dick. Oh, now, wait a minute, Alice. Oh, I suppose I should have told you before I left New York. Well, it might have been a little less of a shock. After all, a man doesn't expect his fiancée... Would it be a breach of etiquette to ask the name of my rival? Jerry Gale. Jerry Gale, mm -hmm. the American orchestra, the Rhythm Romeo. Oh, now, look here, Alice. I know, it's mad and crazy. But he's a public figure of speech, every woman in America. Look, Dick, they're two me's. The sensible, sober, down-to-the-ground me, quite in love with you. Then there's the other we'll call the foolish, romantic me, in love with Jerry Gale. <laughs> oh, no, you're ribbing me. Oh, aren't you... He was the leader of a little band at our college prom four years ago. He played the trumpet. Oh, but he was much better on the harmonica. Harmonica? Uh-huh. Oh, this is becoming more and more fantastic, Alice. How long did you know him? A weekend. Only a weekend? Yes. And I never saw him again. Well, doesn't it occur to you he must have changed a lot in four years? Oh, he has. Of course he's changed. And I'm the one responsible, Dick. I made him the rhythm Romeo. Now, really, Alice, I can believe a lot of things, but... I introduced him to Shakespeare. You mean William? <laughs> Where? A lake on the campus, in a canoe in the moonlight. I recited Romeo's speech to Juliet. And now, now he begins all of his programs with that same speech. Well, his meat was atrocious. He told me to always remember that night. Remember me. Every time I hear him, I know he's looking for me, searching. Oh, oh I know how perfectly stupid this sounds, but Stupid? I... It's serious. Even if it is purely mental. We've got to do something about it. Yes, I know, but what can we do? 
Return to America and see this Jerry Gale. Oh, Dick, now you're being silly. I've waited so long for you. I can wait a little while longer. Until I'm sure of you. But, Dick... Don't worry. If you find he's the one, I'll bow gracefully out. Oh, no, no, I... Or if he's not, you can forget him. Isn't that the sensible solution? Well, I... Exactly. We'll sail for America on the very next boat. You're going to feel better or worse within a fortnight. The band. She has played three numbers. Where is Jerry Gale? I am Jerry Gale's manager, not his nursemaid. Mm. I manage the story Skyloop. And Jerry Gale comes on time or I make you lots of trouble. Hmm. Thirty musicians, two arrangers, three chunks of music, a harp, and Jerry Gale to look after. And you think that you can make me trouble? Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> right back. I go, but I tell you, he roams at ten o'clock, or, or he roams. Hmm. You think I could take him out of a hat? <laughs> Hello, Lester. Oh, so there you are, Jerry Gale. Where have you been? On the corner of 47th and Broadway, playing a harmonica for three little dirty-faced kids to do the shag. Any objections? If the management ever hears of this. We made 40 cents before we got chased by the cops. Not bad, huh? You'll ruin everything. Everything that I built for you. I and Shakespeare raised your salary to 2000 a week. Look, Lester, you and the Bard have done a lot for me, but honestly, I get so tired of spouting couplets. Maybe you're satisfied with this rhythm Romeo you've created, but I've got to live with him. And I don't like him. Oh, stop that. Stop that. A 30-piece orchestra with a concertmaster who plays a genuine Stradivarius, and you play a mouth organ. Don't do that. Why don't you take up something classical like uh, the harp? You can't play a harp in the bathtub. <laughs> Will you please give me that crazy gimmick? Oh, don't put it in your tailcoat. You'll bulge in the wrong places. Look, Lester. Look, you read my mail, you write my lines, you make my dates and you break them. In short, you pull the strings and I dance. Please, please, will you stop? Romeo wasn't a hoofer. Yes, and this hoofer isn't a Romeo. There, there, now there's the signal. Now here's your baton. Now don't forget, when you step off the bandstand after your number, you're still Romeo. Greet the girls with, uh, I am too bold. Tis not to me, she speaks. Romeo and Juliet, Act One, Scene Two. And what do you say when I get cornered with some fair jitterbug? Why, oh, I, I interrupt and uh, say your sponsor wants to speak to you. All right, all right. I go and it is done. The bell invites. What? Macbeth, Act Two, Scene One. This can't be love because I feel so well. No sobs, no sorrows, no sighs. This can't be love, I get no dizzy spell. My head is not in the skies. My heart does not stand still, just hear it beat. This is too sweet to be loved. This can't be loved because I feel so well, but still I love to look in your eyes. Thank you very much, thank you, everybody. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. So that's the Jerry Gale we've come 3,000 miles to meet. Yes, Dick. Looks quite a decent chap, Alice. He's just as I remembered him. I'll see if Mr. Gale will join us. Oh, look, Dick, he's seen me. He's coming over. Oh, Mr. Gale, will you play Two Sleepy People? I am too bold. Not to me, she speaks. Oh, Mr. Gale, your music is too, too wonderful. I am too bold. Tis not to me, she speaks. Hello, Jerry. I am too bold. Tis not to me, she speaks. Nice reading, old man. Thanks. Jerry. Jerry, don't you remember me? Remember you? Well, of course. Why, why, you're, uh, uh... Alice. Uh, Alice, well, what do you know about that? Alice, uh, um... Uh, uh, Brown. Brown, certainly. Bra <laughs> Alice Brown, of course. The Fall Festival at Wellesley. No. Spring prom, Vassar. Oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. You had on a blue dress. I wore red. Remarkable memory, old man. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, uh, by the way, this is Mr. Richard Devon. How do you do? How do you do? Alice has told me about you, Mr. Gale. Really? Well, that's, uh, that's nice. Huh? Yes, most fortunate the way you came upon the Shakespearean role. Oh, Dick. The, the rhythm Romeo angle? Yes, a lake on the campus, a boy and a girl, the moonlight, and you were romantic. 
No. A hamburger joint on Main Street. Me and my manager. It was raining and I was broke. But, Jerry, I... You see, one of the boys in the band made a play for the waitress, and she said, lay off, Romeo. And the idea came to Lester just like that. I've been the rhythm Romeo ever since. <laughs> Dick. Dick, let's dance. Alice, darling, you know I don't tango. But you do, don't you, Mr. Gale? Oh, uh, I couldn't possibly leave you alone, Dick. Nonsense. I'll order dinner for you while you're dancing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I... Well, I, 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 suppose, uh, I suppose we could dance. I suppose we could, if you like. This balcony is a lot better. <laughs> is that line inspired by Mr. Lester, too? You know, I'm afraid you've got me all wrong, and I don't blame you. No? I got off on the wrong foot, and I can't seem to get back in step again. Well, why bother? Well, because I do remember you. Oh, well, not your name or the school, maybe, or the color of your dress, but I, I remember you and everything that happened that weekend. Really? <laughs> you don't believe me? No. All right. Didn't you find my harmonica, and didn't I have to go to the sorority house to claim it? And didn't you make me play it to prove it was mine? Yes. Yes, and then you dated me for the next night. Sure. That was why I stayed over. You called for me in the town's only taxi. It was payday. Yes, but we walked down to the lake. And paid a dollar for a red canoe. It was blue. It was swell. Oh, <laughs> uh, there was a full moon. Two of them. One upstairs and one down on the lake. Yes. And you sang a funny little song, do you remember? There ought to be a moonlight yeah. saving time. So I could love that gal of mine. <laughs> and you, you recited... What light from yonder window breaks. It is the east. And Juliet is the sun. <sighs> That's it. That must have been why I took Lester's suggestion. I was remembering you and the way you read those lines. And when we reached the shore, you said, beautiful. I didn't mean Shakespeare. And you kissed me. Yes. Yes, I... Pardon me, I'm Mr. Lester, Mr. Gale's manager. He was at your table a few moments ago. I wonder if you could tell me where uh, he... Yes, uh... certainly, yes. He just stepped out on the balcony with my fiancée. Oh, thank you. Uh, on the balcony? With your fiancée? Oh, my heavens! Uh... Oh. Oh, here you are. I say, uh, here you are. <clears throat> Mr. Gale, your sponsor wants to speak to you. I say your sponsor wants to speak to you. Mr. Gale, your sponsor! You have just heard Act One of Miss Brown of Worcester with Fred Astaire, Herbert Marshall, Franklin Pangborn, Loretta Young, and Gino Corrado. Now, before we bring you Act Two, we'll have just a few words from John Conti. Ladies and gentlemen, in your neighborhood, perhaps just around the corner, you'll find a good golf dealer. He is an independent merchant who conducts a business to serve you with your motoring needs. We are proud to say that he handles petroleum products which are uniformly high in quality. Of equal importance is the service which he renders. We are sure you will find him friendly, helpful, and prompt in his attention to your motoring needs, courteous as he serves you. In every respect, a merchant who merits your regular patronage. So, the next time you need gasoline and motor oil, stop at the sign of the Gulf Orange Disc and ask the good golf dealer to service your car. Thank you. Curtain is about to rise on the second act of our musical comedy, Miss Brown of Worcester. Alice Brown and her former love, Jerry Gale, the famous orchestra leader, have been doing the town for the past two weeks with a man she is engaged to marry, Richard Devon. Devon has been learning that even in America, three is a crowd. Lights. Music. Curtain. Well, where have you been? Out, Lester. Out with whom, may I ask, Mr. Gale? The girl I'm in love with. You're not serious. Why, you can't do this to me. Oh, yes, I can. You can't be in love with one girl. You've got to be in love with all of them. 
Your sponsor expects it. Now, look. I got along all right when I wasn't the Rhythm Romeo. When I didn't know what a sponsor was. Yes, and I had a darn sight better time. You're comparing hamburgers to caviar. I like hamburgers. What's the name of this siren? Alice Brown. And she's not a siren, Lester. She's in love with me. Not the Rhythm Romeo. You are the Rhythm Romeo. Yes, but she isn't in love with him. She's in love with the fellow I was four years ago. Hmm. He was a halfway decent chap. He didn't spout Shakespeare, and he wouldn't steal another fellow's girl. You mean there's another man in love with her? Yeah, a grand fellow, too. Look, Lester, I'm in a spot. What can I do? Well, well, you certainly can't marry the girl. No. No, you're right, Lester. I, I can't marry her. Hmm, now you're talking sense. No woman could be happy married to me with the postman dumping a thousand phony love letters on our breakfast table every morning. Watching me look foolish while fans ask for autographs, grab my hat, tear off my tie for a souvenir. Mrs. Rhythm Romeo. Why, Alice couldn't stand that for a month. Hmm, that's right. That's right, Mr. Gale. That's perfectly right. <laughs> I, I've got to show her that Devin's the man for her now, but I don't know how. Well, you just leave everything to me, Mr. Gale. I'll think of something. <laughs> a Lester never fails. <laughs> Did you see this headline? Uh, how about some tea, Alice? Army mobilizes on Czechoslovakian boat. Lemon or milk, darling? A uh, lemon, dear. London building bomb-proof shelters. <laughs> You'll never guess what I discovered these crumpets. Britain debates mobilizing navy. Imagine selling crumpets at a chemist shop. You know, Dick, this really looks serious. Not the crumpet situation? <laughs> no, silly. There's trouble in Europe. Oh, time enough to worry when it comes to a head. Marmalade or gooseberry jam? Marmalade, please. Oh, gosh, I'm glad we're in America and out of it. Well, if they have to roll up their sleeves and go to it... I'm still a captain in the Naval Reserve. You? Dick, do you mean that... Well, anything's apt to happen these days. But look, you didn't come to tea to discuss the European situation. What's really troubling you? Come on, out with it. Dick? Yes? Yeah? I've made up my mind. I thought so. It's Jerry Gale. Yes. Oh, please, Dick, don't be angry no, with me. No, I'm not. Jerry's a fine chap. I'm only sorry I couldn't have been the lucky man. But Jerry doesn't know it yet. I knew it. And so must he, unless he's blind. Just a second. Yes? Is Miss on there? Yes, just a moment. For you, Alice. For me? Oh, thanks, dear. Hello? Miss Brown? Yes? This is Jerry Gale's manager, Mr. Lester. May I ask the name of your attorney? My attorney? What for? Miss <laughs> Brown, as Mr. Gale's manager, it is my unpleasant duty to follow the path of unbroken hearts left at the wayside by the rhythm Romeo. <laughs> and I do what I can to repair them in a monetary sense. <clears throat> Let me warn you, however, that $3,000 is my top price. Are you speaking for Mr. Gale? Certainly I speak for Mr. Gale. Does he think that I... Why, how dare you call me up, Mr. Lester? How dare you? <laughs> Where's Gale? Uh, rehearsing his orchestra. Oh, he'll be through in a moment. Uh, sit down. Have a cigarette? A drink? No, I don't want to drink and I don't want to smoke. I want to see that founder Gale. Well, let go my coat. There's no use getting excited. Let me go. Well, Dick. Mr. Mr. Bounder, I mean Mr. Gale. I did... Oh, for heaven's sake, do something. Dick, what's the trouble? I came for the $3,000. What $3,000? The $3,000. Did you sell me something? Do you pay off my check or does your Mr. Lester keep the cash on hand? Look, Dick, what's it all about? Mr. Gale, I, I can explain. Explain? You better talk fast, Lester. You better talk fast and well. Well, uh, well, after our little talk this morning... Oh, uh, so you and Gale did have a talk. Well, sort of a talk. Oh, but Romeo, Jerry, I mean, Mr. Uh, Mr. Gale, he, he doesn't know my talk. Lester, calm <laughs> yourself. Uh, who's calm? Nothing's the matter with me. I'm perfectly excited. You told me yourself that you shouldn't marry Miss Brown, so I, I only pretended to offer a settlement on the phone. I only... A um, settlement? Uh, Why, you what? You... Pygmy, you, you smidge. Oh! Oh! I'm beginning to get things straight. Look here, Jerry. Why shouldn't you marry Alice? Oh, because you can give her a sane, decent life, and I can't, Dick. Because I'm a streamlined Shakespearean phony. Alice doesn't think so. After all, she's the one to make the final decision. It won't be hard for her to choose now. There's no explanation I can make she'll ever believe. I wouldn't worry, Jerry. A woman will go any place, do anything, and believe anything when she's in love. You'll see at the Sky Room tonight.
Why, Dick? I never want to speak to Jerry again. I never even want to see him. Why must we come here tonight? Because you're really in love with Jerry. You're angry now. Your pride's been hurt. But he's a great fellow. And you'll be very happy together. I know that. Dick, don't when you see that? When two people love each other, there has to be a lot of understanding. You told me this afternoon you loved him. You love him now, don't you? Hello, Dick. It's all right, old boy. I'll be back in a little while. Alice, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know if there's anything I can say. You see, I've got so in the habit of speaking for this rhythm Romeo that I can't talk very well for myself. There's your music. I'll be right back. No, no, I'll sing it from here. I can reach up to heaven And pluck out a star from the blue It's true But only when you're in my arms I can live without riches And still have a million or two It's true But only when you're in my arms Though I'm ambitious My wishes Have always been simple and few Give me the moonlight The music And sweetheart and I'm full of you I can see myself doing The things that I never could do it's true, but only when you're in my arms. Do you believe me, Alice? Yes. Yes, Jerry, I believe you. I, I guess I never really doubted you. I wonder if that blue canoe is still on that lake where we left it. Oh, we could go and find out. Well, looks as though I'd walked in on cue. Just in time to offer my blessing and to say Goodbye? Goodbye? It seems that little trouble in Europe we talked about has come to a head. The Admiralty has ordered mobilization of the fleet. I'm sailing on the Queen Mary at midnight. So sailing? In an hour? Uh, is it war? Lord only knows. Anyway, I'm off. I've just time to drink to your happiness, pack my bags, and make the boat. It's plain water, so I'll make it a plain toast. Here's to Shakespeare, 1938 version. Romeo gets girl. Goodbye, Alice. Luck, Jerry. God bless. Dick! Gee, what a swell fellow. He gets his orders and goes. Sure. The North Sea and submarines. With a man like that on your side, you can't lose. England can't. But we can, Jerry. We may never see him again. Well, what can we do? Well, I, I know what we ought to do. So do I. Jerry. Jerry, I've got to go after him. Goodbye, Alice. Goodbye. And, Jerry, I think you're swell. I like you, too. Toasting Miss Brown of Worcester. Throw my luggage in the back, driver. Pier 90, driver. Okay, ma'am. Alice. What are you doing here? Where's Jerry? On the bandstand at the Astoria Hotel, I think. But I thought... Oh, you're, you're, you're coming to see me off. Darling, a girl doesn't take bag and baggage to wave goodbye from a pier. You stupid thing, I'm coming with you. You can't. Why not? Well, Jerry. He sent me. Oh, forgive me, I don't get this. Darling, don't make me propose to you. You mean... Yes. Alice. Oh, my dear. How about a little radio music with that, sir? Why not? <laughs> well, here it is. Driver, do you know this is the first time I've ever been kissed in a taxi at 50th Street and 10th Avenue? Oh, this ain't the first time it's happened in my cab, ma'am. <laughs> my head is not Listen, in the sky. My heart does not stand still just hearing me. This That's the song he sang to you, our first night in America. Yes. Only now he's singing it to us. See here, Miss Brown. Huh? What about your accommodations on the boat? I got the last stateroom. Oh, no, you didn't, darling. We got the last stateroom. Mr. and Mrs. Devon. 
just a moment, Loretta Young, Freddie Astaire, and Bart Marshall return as themselves. But while they are stepping out of character, here's that stout fella, John Conti. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to say just a few words on behalf of all of us here in the studio. As you all know, the amount paid by the Gulf people for talent on this program is being placed in a special fund. A fund to build a home to care for the aged and indigent people from all branches of the film industry. We're all of us proud to be associated with such a worthwhile project and with this new kind of radio entertainment. We hope you'll enjoy it and that you'll tune in every Sunday at the same time for the Gulf Screen Guild Show, brought to you with the best wishes of your neighborhood good golf dealers. Good night, George. Loretta, before I say good night, I want to tell you what a swell job you did. Oh, thanks. And I don't have to tell you how swell I think you are personally. No, you don't have to, but I like it. <laughs> good night, George, and thanks again. Good night, Loretta. And by the way, extra congratulations to you, Bart. Why is that, George? Well, because tonight you got the girl and Freddie didn't. Well, in that case, so long as she's mine, I'll I'll take her home. Good night, George. Good night, Bart. <laughs> good night, MC. Uh, just a moment there, F.A. We missed something here tonight. You didn't dance. Neither did you. Well, I don't dance much, Fred. I... Why, George, you're just a terpsichorean meanie. <laughs> Them's bodacious words, Astaire, bodacious. Oh, I couldn't dance today anyway. My foot's asleep. It's been that way all through the program. Oh, well, I know how to fix that. It's simple. All you have to do is snap it. Look. Like this? That's it. That was a pretty fair gavotte for two sleepy feet. I'd like to thank Franklin Pangborn and Gino Corrado for being with us tonight for a swell performance. Well, folks, that winds up another Screen Guild show. We hope that you enjoyed it. We'll tune in again next week to hear Betty Davis, Robert Montgomery, Basil Rathman, and Louise Beavers in an original drama, Can We Forget?, directed by Frank Capra and written by Mary McCall. Tonight's Screen Guild show was directed by Ernst Lubitsch, written by Dwight Taylor and Arthur Sheikman. This is George Murphy saying thank you for the motion picture industry, and good night. Next week, same time, same station, the good golf dealer in your neighborhood joins the golf companies in welcoming you to another Screen Guild show... With Oscar Bradley's orchestra and your master of ceremonies, George Murphy. This is John Conti speaking. When You're in My Arms is from Fred Astaire's new RKO picture, the story of Vernon and Irene Castle. We are indebted to 20th Century Fox for Loretta Young, who can soon be seen in the picture Wife, Husband, and Friend. Heard on tonight's show were Make Believe and Why Do I Love You from Showboat. Yesterday from Roberta, Thanks for Everything from the show of the same name, and This Can't Be Love from the boys from Syracuse. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Richard Diamond, followed by My Favorite Husband. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.